0: we're rolling are we we're back uh hang on what am i gonna say now um let me have a drink of the old water
1: yeah you got a bit of pizza mouth there you gotta <laughs> hydrate <laughs> it's
0: weird i've done this for so long <laughs> i defer to your judgment
1: We did this the first time, didn't we? (laughs) Do you want me to say something? Would you rather I say something?
0: Yeah, you introduce it. All right. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen. Right, well, you're going to leave silence so I can edit around it. Okay,
1: like what? Three beats of silence? That's fine. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, I know we've been gone for some time, but we are back with a revamped, redone re-engineered episode of the sound of scoring um you know sorry for the bit of time in between episodes but uh you know life found a way to derail yes it did (laughs) but we're back
0: and we've got an all-new show uh planned um because we don't
1: want film music studios to sue us by
0: using their music yeah uh, we may not have
1: thought it through for the last few episodes but now it's more of a generalized kind of discussion about film music, but still having a focus on a topic, but also covering film music news and upcoming films and just other general stuff that we find interesting, really. Just a couple of pals talking
0: about film music. a couple couple of lads. A couple of lads. (laughs) Uh, So, to to let you know what we're going to get into, we first of all got some... uh, Some news in the land of film music, uh, which we'll get into in just a second. Then we're just going to take a look at what's coming up for the rest of the year um,
1: in movies and games and whatever else there is. And by the time you're listening to this episode, it's November. So it's from November to December. And because we're in Australia, the movies that are worth talking about might have already been (laughs) released everywhere else around the world. We've only just now come out of our sixth lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Pray for us.
0: Um, but, and then, after that, our topic for today is going to be ranking Daniel Craig's Bond films in preparation for No Time to Die, which is finally
1: coming out here in about two weeks. Finally. Finally. Um, November 11th, for any Aussies listening to this, save that date if you, you know, are a Bond fan. And if you are not a Bond fan, save that date that date anyway because a new movie is coming out to the cinema and you can finally go and watch movies in the cinema now <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i've been but but you haven't i'm, I'm getting there <laughs> you gotta always uh, rub that in <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then uh then we're just going to talk about some stuff we've been
1: watching recently that we like maybe mm. call it notable mentions maybe yeah. not who yeah. knows i think a, a lot of uh spooky stuff since we had just Finished October, the spookiest month, objectively, of the entire year. Well, that is true, yes. And
0: I have been going through a bit of a horror binge recently. A horror renaissance,
1: if you will. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right, so now let's jump right into it. This is a new format, so, you know, bear with us. But and now, we weren't that good at the last one.
1: so <laughs> no, yeah. It's clear that if you think we're making this up as we go along, we are. there's some truth to that. But <laughs> as of now, welcome to the Film Music News Corner. <laughs> uh, so let's begin with a
0: bit of sad news. I don't want to start us off in too dour a mood. But this is something that happened uh, about a couple of weeks ago now that I didn't actually know about. Uh, but, and I'm going to really butcher this pronunciation. So, you know, bear with me. All right. But Leslie Briscus, uh, I that's the best I can do. Leslie Briscus, that's better he's than passed I away done. at the age of uh, 90. Oh. Um, he's a Grammy Award winning composer, lyricist, right. playwright. Um, he did a lot of stuff, including uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. Um, he wrote songs uh, for Dr. Doolittle. Um, like the, the 60s Dr. Doolittle, I'm assuming. Yeah, the 1967. Yeah. So. No, the Eddie Murphy <laughs> one. <laughs> um, And, yeah, just in general, really, he worked with John Williams a little bit on Hook and Home Alone as well. Oh, wow. Um, So, yeah, pretty prolific composer. Um, It's always
1: sad when one of, uh, you know, these great composers um, kind of passes away. And um, especially with the work that he's done in the catalog that he's done as well.
0: Yeah, 90s are pretty good innings, though. And, um, you know, he's lived a hell of a life and... Written he and actually relevant for today because he co-wrote the lyrics for two James Bond songs as Did he well. now? Oh. Goldfinger and You Only Live Twice.
1: Well, Goldfinger is essentially just the
0: standard for Ex- Bond song. So exactly. So, um, yeah, pretty sad, but he he was a legend in the music industry. So, um, you know, he's going to be missed greatly. Um, but to move on to some some better news, um, we. Recently, also had. Now I again I haven't actually heard of this before either. But did you know
1: there's a World Soundtrack Awards? You know I've heard of it, but not. I'd like I heard it to the extent like oh well there's got to be a World Soundtrack Award or something like that. But I don't really know the ins and outs. You know, like the minutiae of it, if you will.
0: Yeah, so it's obviously separate from stuff like. The, grand, the, Emmys, the and Emmys and the Oscars. The Oscars and the, and, yeah. But 2021 um, has a familiar name as the winner of the 2021 World Soundtrack Awards. Wait, they've already announced the winners. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and it's Daniel Pem- uh, Pemberton. Daniel Pemberton. Yeah, oh. who is of Into the
1: Spider-Verse fame. Into the Spider-Verse. I love, loved him in Into the Spider-Verse and his score. I also like his score for King Arthur Legend of the Sword. No, I have not seen that movie. A lot of people haven't. It lost a lot of money. <laughs> uh, but I had fun with it. Um, he also did Birds of Prey, or yeah. the fantab- fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he won-, he won it for the trial of the Chicago 7. Did he now? And Enola Holmes, uh, ah. along with the documentary Rising Phoenix, which I haven't seen that one. I haven't but, seen that one either. Um, uh, obviously, had a bit of a prolific year. Yeah, um, I'd say. And has been recognized for it. Along with at the Emmys, which is a, a while ago yeah, now. We're c- still catching up here. <laughs> uh, but just to give you an update, Zim, because you're the only one who's asking. Um, I am. I am indeed asking. Carlos Rafael Rivera
1: or has the, won From his, the Queen's Gambit.
0: Yeah. He's won his second Emmy Award <laughs> for nice. the score for the episode Endgame in the limited series, the Queen's Gambit. Not to be confused with
1: Avengers Endgame.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, of course his name kind of pops up everywhere, but Ludwig Göransson also won an Emmy, uh, for Mando. Yes. Yes. The, the rescue episode, ah, um, right. for music. Th- that's the yeah. finale, isn't it? Of season two. Yes. I think so. It says 16th chapter. I think there's eight yes, per yeah. season.
1: Yeah. Um, and for those who don't know, Mando is short for the Mandalorian, um, uh, TV, Star Wars TV show on Disney Plus yeah um, and, which is well deserved because that oh, yeah. score is fucking amazing it is phenomenal so, um, and I remember The Rescue because it's the one time that he actually does incorporate John Williams' theme
0: yeah the force yeah. into it yeah right um, in which a, is interesting that that's yeah. the one he won <laughs> original music Just for the power of the, of John man <laughs> yeah but The Queen's Gambit also very deserving oh, yeah. I think because like, watching that show it was
1: it was Really great, but the music really stood out as well. The music that uh, there's a piano motif in the Queen's Gambit. Um I remember it mostly when I think she's walking from the her foster parents' house to somewhere and that piano kind of motif, I was just kinda like, That that is great scoring right there. And I'm a sucker for the piano since I play the piano and I do most of my composing on the piano. So Yeah. That's that's where I live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um all right.
0: We should move
1: on to two the news of the week. I don't know if you saw this. I might have. I might have not. You're you're keeping me in the dark here. I have no knowledge of what Michael's going to do. It's literally news to uh, you. News. It is literally news. <laughs>
0: um. So, Lightyear, the trailer for Lightyear. <laughs> oh, wow. Did you
1: did I, you see that? I did see that. I was confused, intrigued. I had a, that was a lot of emotions. Yeah, running through that.
0: I still don't know how I feel about it. Um, Now, they did announce someone. Actually, no, they haven't announced anyone. That's that's the point of the news. uh, Because there's no news on what composer is going to be scoring this. That's interesting. Which I think is interesting because Toy Story has such iconic music. Courtesy of Randy Newman. Yeah. So I guess my question to you is... Who are they going to pick? Because I've got some options here that I think we could go through that are all very interesting choices. Um, And they each provide a different kind of flavor of what could happen. So obviously the first top choice would be Randy Newman. Naturally. Um, He created the
1: sound that is Toy Story now. He did. My only argument to that is this is, and from what we've seen from the teaser, it's not the world of Toy Story per se.
0: No, but it's a movie within Toy Story. It, it,
1: it is. I'm not. I'm not disputing that. And I think it would be smart to have maybe some kind of neat motivic callbacks. But to have it in the style, the same style of stuff as Toy Story, might do it a bit of a disservice. Because you've, I think that's what confused me when I saw Lightyear. Is that Buzz didn't look like the toy Buzz in the Toy Story movies. He looked different. He looked realistic to. a in the sense that, but not in the sense like, oh, this is good. He looks realistic. It's more like I know Buzz Lightyear as that toy. Yeah, as and t- Tim Allen's not voicing him now. I even. know Chris Evans, Captain
0: America himself, <laughs> which is kind of weird. But I think he, uh, he only speaks like two lines. In yeah. it. but it, it actually works. I think,
1: and that yeah, he's got that kind of. If if he was to be voiced by other people, not Tim Allen, which again, that got that gets me right here. Like Tim Allen is Buzz Lightyear, but. I feel like Chris might do a good job from those two lines. He might be doing a really good job.
0: Yeah. I. Uh, so, yeah, going back to composers, I think Randy yeah. Newman would be an interesting choice because it feels like they're going for more of a sci-fi
1: action yeah, movie. That's what I was going to say, just from the tone of the teaser. Do you think another Newman should do it, though? Oh, he is on the list. Ah. But before we get to him,
0: there's another obvious choice for Pixar. Michael Giacchino. Of course. Of course. And
1: he's quite good at... He is. ...action. And, and science fiction. And science fiction. I mean... He's done a Star Wars. He has done a Star Wars. Um, He's done a lot of other sci-fi stuff. He did John Carter, which is also a Disney property. And, you know, even though it's... John Carter is... You know, it's fine. But the music in it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, he did Jupiter Ascending, which... Low key underrated, but his music is pretty good <laughs> in that one. Um, so yeah, I think he's the no brainer.
0: Yeah, uh, he also, I think, and and we'll talk about it in a little bit as well because he's he also does the Spider Man movies. That's true. Uh, I think he goes back and forth between creating some of the most memorable music, like The Incredibles, to creating kind of nothing, nothing scores,
1: like the, the Spider, the Homecoming, the Home Trilogy <laughs> of the MCU. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, we also have on the list Henry Jackman,
1: oh. which is a very
0: interesting choice. That I is think. kind
1: of out there. I haven't heard from him in a while.
0: Yeah. So um, he he hasn't scored a Pixar movie before. No. Um,
1: but he has done animated stuff. Yes. Did he do... He did Wreck-It Ralph, I think.
0: Uh, I'm not sure, but he's done uh, Monsters and Aliens.
1: Ah, uh, yep. Yep, yep.
0: I don't know if he did Wreck-It Ralph. Let I me check.
1: It was either... He did that, or he might have done Big Hero Six. I know it was one of those two, but he has done animated stuff for Disney.
0: Yeah, Henry Jackman—he definitely did do it, and I think that was a pretty good score as oh, well. Um But yeah, interesting choice. And then you—you—you you, you hinted at it before, but Thomas Newman could definitely do it. And but as we're going to discuss with his Bond films, I'm not
1: sure. I mean, I I, I understand your trepidation for the Bond films, and of course we're going to get to that, but. His Pixar work is flawless. very good, very good. But yeah. I think
0: those stories lend themselves to it to a degree. Yeah. So this is more action, and as we're about to discuss, <laughs> I don't think his action is that great. But then again, we've only
1: seen a teaser of Lightyear, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it seemed to me more like a. It's just a teaser that's trying to set a mood. It hasn't really mm-hmm. divulged much, and if we're basing this off of the history of Pixar. And Pixar movies, up until now, have always been like able to balance a lot of emotions really well. I think it'll still be a perfect project piece for Thomas Newman. Yeah. So,
0: I'm just looking at when Lightyear actually comes out. It comes out next year. I actually think it's quite weird that they haven't picked a composer yet.
1: Unless there's, they can't still be animating it, surely. If they're no, already, I think they would be. But yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not uncommon for composers to come in on late, but it generally means that they haven't got someone in mind. No, because yeah. if they if the director had someone in mind, they really don't know. Yeah, they you know, they would have picked them by now. So, I don't know. They um I was reading something and I've just lost my you lost your train of train of thought. Lost my train of thought. But yeah, so Thomas Newman um uh has a connection with Angus um, McLean, is that um, the director? Yeah, of Lightyear, oh, Lightyear. Because he co-directed Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. No, Finding Dory. He co-directed. Did he right? And Thomas Newman did the score for Finding, Finding Dory. Dory. So there is something to be said that maybe he might go that route again. Mm. Um, but who knows? I guess we will find out. We'll have to wait and see soon enough. Um, now something else is. I have no idea how this is going to pan out at all, um, but and I don't know this guy at all. So, but Paul King's Wonka
1: is that the new the, Wonka? Is that the one where Timmy Chalamet is yep. Willy Wonka? Yeah, and Paul King, of course, you're
0: one of your favorite directors. Yes, because Paddington Two is the greatest movie of all time.
1: You heard it here, folks.
0: It is. Um, <laughs> now they've hired someone to write. Original songs for Wonka, which so means a, they're going
1: for more of a musical. It's going to be musical. What well, if pretty much any of the adaptations of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory have been ostensibly musicals? Um, Billy, Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory in the 60s, and even Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for all its missteps and whatnot, they had still songs in it. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: yeah, And so they've picked someone called Neil Hannon, uh, who is from a band called The Divine Comedy. Interesting. Um, and he's done a few films that I haven't heard of, uh, or I haven't heard the music for. This is a terrible news segment. Essentially, I haven't heard about him before. He seems, people seem generally happy with the choice, but I don't think they have chosen a composer yet. So whether he's do going you, to also do the score or not, I'm
1: not do sure. Do you reckon it will be his go-to guy, Dario Marionelli, because I think he did the Paddington scores. Which is their great scores. Yes, I'm I'm assuming, but yeah, I'm not I'm not
0: sure. But either way, I think if anyone can make a good Wonka film, it's it's Paul King because everyone. I think the meme at the moment has been that essentially, like I, I've heard it called Junker because <laughs> <it's, laughs> Joker, that <but laughs> in that they're going to go a more dark route. But I think because Paul King's attached.
1: We could go a dark route. Who knows? But maybe he wants to get it away from the. Pannington. It would be interesting to see Paul King do something dark because the past two films were not dark. They were fine, in my opinion. But again, who? What's that? What I said? Paddington films were fine, man. No, they're brilliant they're, films.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they're really sad too. They're not that sad. You know. Okay, right. Well, we can just dis- agree to disagree. There, <laughs> yeah, I agree to disagree. Beautifully made films, but. All right, <laughs> <laughs> we're actually fighting. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a fight. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, uh, we all see. We obviously saw, I think, la- earlier this week that June got officially um, confirmed for a sequel, part two. Now, uh, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, vil- uh, it's pronounced Villeneuve. Oh well, you swine! (laughs) I cannot pronounce anything. We've already established this. Uh, So uh, Denis um, Denis Villeneuve. (laughs) uh, He wants to make a third one as well. So I think he's splitting up Dune the book into two parts. And then the and then what's the other one called? called? Son of Dune or something like that. Yeah, Son of Dune or something like that. Yeah. So I imagine Hans Zimmer is going to be attached to both of those. I
1: say to whatever studio. I think it's Warner Brothers. Just throw money at Denis and Hans. Let them do whatever. And this is, bear in mind, we still haven't seen the film yet.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I have my reservations, Hans. as previous listeners of the show would know. Which is fair. I'm more like, just give it to me. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't know. I feel like the marketing with June so far around Hans he's 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 a name. He's a big star name. Yeah. He's almost as big as, as, as Timmy yeah. Chalamet. You know, like, yeah. as in... People see his name attached, they immediately think, whoa, it's going to be awesome. And I think majority of the time it is going to be awesome, but it's so obnoxious watching the advertising, the promo work they've been doing, where he talks about like, oh, I needed to create this alien landscape. (laughs) I've heard some of the music. It does sound like an alien landscape, but it's not not the most innovative. It's not drastically different than you were expecting. It doesn't sound
1: alien yeah, it sounds like Hans Zimmer. Yeah. So I don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet,
0: so yeah. obviously I can't say because obviously
1: because sure. I think an important thing I think in general when it comes to film music is you can listen to it as music, but it always has to you when you listen to it and just as a music it lives in a vacuum if you haven't seen the appropriate image associated with it. You know, it's kind of like my thoughts on the score for like the Social Network. I think if you listen to it on its own, it's perfectly fine. But when you actually pair it up with the visuals, it's a fantastic piece of score. Well, now you're just besmirching the name of Trent Reznor and Atticus I'm Ross. Sick, I'm saying that they do a fantastic job because they are ultimately make a, a track to serve the vision, to Fincher's vision. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. Yeah, but,
0: but yeah, I, I I like that music on its own as well.
1: Fair enough. I think also I'm still at at 2010 when there were a lot of other films that came mm-hmm. out that I really liked the music of like. How to Train Your Dragon, um, King's Speech, heck, even Inception. And I think they were more pleasing to listen to on its own then. But again, I think we're getting off track. I'm excited for Dune Part 2 and for Dune Part 3. Um, just give, maybe, look, we disagree on whether Hans should just be in there or not, which is fair enough. But I think we should just give Dini all the money he wants. Oh, absolutely. And I think Hans should be able to finish what he
0: started yeah. as well. So that there's that. So, moving—that's all the news done. Yeah, so that's all I have. But uh, we're going to move on to, to some upcoming. Yeah, stuff what's there. coming up? You've you right. got a list there. I do
1: have a list. It's not much because we're already near the end of the year, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to miss some stuff. Mm. Um, well, I'm going to first of all give a couple of films that with the composers attached to them that are coming up that I'm quite excited for. So one that's coming up is Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Yes, and the composer attached is Stephen Price. Yeah. No. Now, what he what has he done? Well, Stephen Fry has won the Oscar for Gravity. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: Um, he's also worked on a lot of, I think, two David Ayer films. He worked on Fury, which has got a good score. And he worked on Suicide Squad, um, which has a the score. The bad one? It, yeah, the bad one. It, okay. it, it has a score. It's actually all right. It's just drowned out by all the other songs. But um, By Bohemian Rhapsody all the time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but he's also worked with Edgar on a lot. He's worked with Edgar on uh, The World's End. Oh, yeah. Lost that. And I think he also worked on Baby Driver. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. Which Um, is, yeah,
0: not really a score.
1: Yeah, it's again one of those things where I think because of the nature of Edgar Wright and his filmography, like also with Last Night and so there's going to be a lot of licensed music and songs. But I think Stephen Price knows how to work well within those kind of boundaries and quandaries. And I think he's still going to provide a really good score. And also it's... Edgar Wright's first horror film?
0: Yeah, I've heard it's more of a thriller, but oh. um, I'm really keen to see it. it. comes out on the 18th of November. Or Australia.
1: Australia. It's <laughs> out, I think, this weekend. Everywhere yeah, else. October 29th, I think it was out. Mm. So, yeah, that's just, that's just great. Thumbs up everywhere. Um, the next one that I'm excited for is the MCU film that's coming out called Eternals. Mm, that comes out here in two days. It's yes. been out... Elsewhere think, for a while. Is it? I thought this was all coming out November 4th. Maybe. Yeah. You could be right there. Actually. They had their premiere. But what I'm really fascinated by is, and I, I, we haven't really covered this much apart from, I think, in Black Panther. Um, the MCU, from in, in my mind, has a, had a musical problem for a while. Apart from the Avengers theme, they don't have really a lot of memorable themes. That's my kind of um, argument for it. Um, But composer Ramin Djawadi is composing the music for Eternals. In fact, I think a a week ago, they released two new tracks, The Eternals Theme and Across the Oceans of Time. Now, if any of you don't know who Ramin Djawadi is, he just scored one of the biggest, I guess, phenomenons of the past decade, Game of Thrones, as a TV show. You mean that show that sucked in the last season? (laughs) But the music was fantastic. (laughs) Um and he's just been going from strength to strength strength to strength. And I was exposed to Roman Djawadi in Clash of the Titans the remake. Uh, I remember to seeing that with my dad. And while you know, when you're a kid, the Clash of the Titans remake is just it's stupid fun. But the mm. music in that really like left an indelible mark on my imagination. You're right, I haven't seen that maybe. <laughs> but also another interesting fact is that Ramin is the first kind of Composer to return? Oh no! Actually, I don't think he's the first MCU composer to return to a film, but he was the first MCU composer. He composed the music for the first Iron Man. Oh right, yeah, Yeah, all the way back in two thousand and eight. Yeah, and a track of his that I really liked in that one, driving with the top down, and I do recommend everyone should take a listen to that. I think that should have been a really cool Iron Man theme that they should have kept throughout the Mm. entirety, but they didn't. It is what it is. But now he's coming back for Eternals. And from what I've listened to, it sounds like he's bringing in that Game of Thrones kind of flair into what is ostensibly a very epic opus of the MCU. Like, granted, the endgame is pretty epic, but also quite intimate in scope because of the the focus on the main cast of Avengers. With Eternals, you got these characters that have been around since, like, the beginning of Earth, spanning across time and dealing with big, grand themes. And I think he's the right guy to kind of bring in. I'm really excited for that one.
0: Yeah, um, I'm keen to hear it. Yeah. Um... Speaking of the MCU, um, who's doing the score for Doctor Strange? Danny Elfman, the new oh, one. Oh yeah, I forgot. Because yeah, because yeah, we we covered Danny Elfman and uh, Sam Raimi's Yes, and, uh, and disagreement. <laughs> and this is the first film back. No,
1: I think the d- second they did. They did. A, was it Oz the Great and Powerful? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It> sucked.
0: <laughs> I've not seen it. I just I know it, seen it
1: I know. Um, look, I think Danny Elfman is better than. Them. Like, they're nice for me. Like, the dude has created some indelible scores. I mean, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films, which are just a fantastic piece of superhero music. Daniel Finn's Batman, you know, Tim Burton's Batman, that is, you know, ostensibly Batman. And my personal favorite of his is Edward Scissorhands, mm. um, especially the ice dance kind of theme. Um, everyone should just watch Edward Scissorhands. It's just a fantastic movie. Um, and also... Corpse Bride. I don't like a lot of musicals, but I like Corpse Bride a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, well, something
0: I read, learned recently was in the Nightmare Before Christmas, Danny Elfman actually sang. He's the singing voice of Jack Skellington. Yeah, yeah. He was in uh, Bo- Boingo Boingo. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. in a
1: band. He was, uh, he was in a band for a while as well. Yeah. Um, so no, I think he'll be cool. it'll be interesting because he's got to take over the themes and stuff that was established by Michael Giacchino in the first Doctor Strange.
0: Did he do that score?
1: Yeah, Michael Giacchino did the first Doctor Strange. I I wouldn't be surprised if he throws out all of the themes just because it's <laughs> something new. No, but, like, this is Danny Elfman's second time in the MCU. He's worked on Age of Ultron. Oh, yeah. With Ryan Tyler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he, oh. he had to kind of, like, restitch Silvestri's theme. So I don't think he'll throw it out. I mean, the Doctor Strange theme isn't. Instantly memorable, but out of all the MCU ones, it is probably one of up there with the most memorable kind of theme. But, I mean, speaking of Jake, you know, he's on the list for No Way Home.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you a question. Everyone's uh, been... Well, everyone clamored for the first trailer, trailer. Yeah. And now everyone's, like, clamoring for the second. And to the... I think uh, now Marvel are purposely leaking leaking shit. Mm. Um, there's some leaks recently that you've been trying to keep I've your head out to that I... Didn't because I just opened my Twitter to a bunch of these photos <laughs> that came out. Um, it confirms a lot of things people were talking about, but um, right. But I, it's actually a question I have for you with G. Aquino. Right, shoot. Um, if you know what everyone suspects is true, and Toby Maguire comes back, yep, and Andrew Garfield comes back, yep. They actually have, both of them, yeah. well, Tommy McGuire especially, but even Andrew Garfield have very memorable they scores.
1: Do. They do. And themes. I, I, I mean, with, with Andrew Garfield's one, there is two essentially memorable themes. Well, yeah, that I, I think I'm really talking know. about the
0: second one by Hans Yeah, ever. all right, cool. So, if you go into the theatre and you hear and then the Denny Elfman score comes in in
1: some way... What I'll, do you do? I will do be, you cry? I'll be grinning from ear to ear. I might have a single tear flow down my cheek. Is it too fan servicey, or would it work? <laughs> Look, I a, I mean, yes, it's definitely fan servicey, but I think it will work simply because of the emotional, emotional kind of resonance that it happens. And why go through the trouble of creating a whole new theme for uh, Peter Parker from a different multiverse? Yeah, if you already have one that exists and that already has that emotional kind of built-in attachment, yeah, and, and I'm always going to prefer utilizing previous themes just for a for repetition's sake, yeah, for emotional resonance, and because it's just work smart, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. In all in all, I have a couple of thoughts about it. Where for Michael
0: Giacchino, that's a lot of work to juggle three different themes in is... one scene if they're all together. Yeah, but at the same time. If just the Giacchino theme plays for all of them, gonna it's going to sound weird. It is. So the... I actually don't envy him. I think no. it's an impossible situation. <laughs> people are going to call him lazy. People are going to call him like out if he doesn't do it. Um, people are going
1: to call him lazy the, if he does do it. The workaround is, I guess, if they're all kind of united in the scene, just do that big, luscious orchestration of the Spider-Man cartoon theme song. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> but just do that kind of... Yeah. Da, 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 and it's like, you know, I, we won't be like, that's lazy. Like, fuck, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually have all these same
0: questions for the villains. Because uh, Doc yeah. Ock, we've
1: covered Doc Ock's I mean, theme. It's and, a great thing. he's
0: more or less confirmed. <laughs> and Green Goblin is more or less confirmed. Um, yep. And... Um, who else? Sandman is almost pretty much confirmed. It, it kind of begs the question:
1: Why not just let Danny Elfman do it? Electro, imagine if he brought back Han moves. Oh, if he did, it oh. <laughs> lied <to> me. <laughs> so
0: I don't know. It's it's kind of an all or nothing thing for me, right? Like it, it if is. you're going to bring, I, actually, I can kind of see him bringing back the Spider-Man themes and then leaving the villain themes. Or maybe even just having a line for each. Or even just... When they're first introduced, you just do one line of the theme yeah, and then you're done. Done. And then that you leave it.
1: <laughs> or just, at some very least, again, be smart about it. Use the foundational building blocks of it and just work around that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, look, he's it's an envious position, but it's also a non-envious position because he's got a really tough job. And also, his actual Spider-Man theme for the first two films... They're fine. They're I know it's not Peak Mm. He's he's done a better. Yeah. Um. It just the the theme it's the theme itself feels quite childish. Yeah, to a degree, which it makes sense. Peter Peter yeah. Parker in this universe is.
0: And yeah, I I just had I I feel like it could go either way, and I yeah I really don't envy him. And yeah. although most people are thinking about, oh my god, are my favorite Spider Man yeah. going to be in this film? Oh my god, I hope Tobey Maguire's in it. I'm thinking about how the fuck is he going to deal with the music. And I think a lot of people without realizing it are also wondering that. Yeah. I've not heard many people talking about it, but I imagine if they don't hear those iconic things, they're probably going to be like, oh, that felt underwhelming for some reason.
1: Because if you're bringing back... These iconic versions of the characters that have been made an in indelible mark in superhero cinema, the music is an important part. Yeah, they're of pretty much impact. the iconography yeah. Yeah.
0: with with Toby Maguire, you know.
1: Yeah, especially with Toby. Andrew Garfield, <laughs> less, but. Yeah, but, you know, with, with Andrew Garfield's one, again, like you said, if they're going to bring out the electro theme, <laughs> I'm just going to be more like, well, you know what? That's a bold choice. <laughs> but, I mean, I'd, I'd love the movie more if they did that. <laughs> Uh. Um, And I think my last one, because we already covered Dune, and no doubt when we actually do see it, we will cover it uh, properly, but The Matrix Resurrections. Mm. Who's doing that? Now, it's not Don Davis who did the first three, and there are literal videos on YouTube that deconstruct the music of The Matrix, and it's actually incredible the amount of work and orchestration that Don Davis put into it. And I recommend you guys check it out. But uh, whose composing is this? I think it's Tom Tickver, um, Johnny Klimek, and Reinhold Hall, also known as Pale Three. Um, for film music fans, they did Cloud Atlas. music. Another Wachowski. Wachowski maybe, right? Yeah. Tom Tickver was also the third director on Cloud Atlas. Right, and I think he's also a director. He did like German films like Run Lola Run and all that kind of thing. I've not heard of them at all. No, and I haven't heard the score for Cloud Atlas. I have, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Cloud well, Atlas is one of those films where it's like fifty-fifty. You're either gonna love it, you're gonna either just be bored by it. I had a great time with it. It's that kind of epic where it goes from like across time and space and different characters into weaving and stuff, um, because they try to do this thing where the same actor plays different characters across time and things also playing different ethnicities so it's uh, <laughs> oh good <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting it's a bold choice yeah Um, but yeah I love the score in that and, but you can hear it in the trailer for the Matrix Resurrections that they've taken the main Matrix motif and put it in the trailer and now the main motif it kind of has this weird sound it goes like dun, dun. I'm doing it a disservice but what it is essentially it is a major chord and a minor chord played right after or it's a vice versa That that's literally yeah. a, that main kind of matrix motif and because they bring it back in the trailer I they have to bring it back for...
0: yes and no because and I, I think you know this but I don't think a, a lot of other people do trailer music isn't done by composers at all sure. that's true. Um, a lot of the time um, it's done by other composers who specifically specialize in trailer music, and so a lot of the time, if they're a mid-budget to low-budget film, they're actually just buying stock music from online. There's yeah. there's literal libraries of stock trailer epic music mm. that they just edit it to, which is how you get those like gun pumping like uh, yeah, they're, the, they're the cutting to the music because the the trend right now is to cut in rhythm to the do, song. That's do we going blame on.
1: Edgar Wright for that?
0: Yeah, a yeah. little bit. I think we have to. But that seems to be the trend at the moment. So you need the piece of music first. So yeah. that's what happens. So it's not the composer going, "Whoa, I'm going to score this trailer. Now, I don't know if it's 100% of the time. Maybe there's
1: some. Sometimes I think they are involved to a degree.
0: But I think a lot of the time, even for stuff like Spider-Man that I've heard, um, I think with this Matrix um, trailer as well, is they'll hire a composer to write trailer music that incorporates the themes yep. of... That's why you get Spider-Man trailers that have like... Doo-doo-doo,
1: doo-doo-doo. That's not Michael Giacchino. No, it's not. Because no. it doesn't sound anything like yeah. Michael Giacchino. But the um, argument could be made that I think... Like, for example, the upcoming The Batman is using Giacchino's Batman theme. Is it? It is. Is it, he doing it's, The Batman? He, yeah, he's doing The Batman. He's, oh, right. he's, he's, he's pulled everywhere. the reverse Danny Elf, but he's doing Spider-Man first, then Batman. Yeah, I mean, do, granted, do, you, do we have his theme? Yeah, we do. Like, it's out. It's a really simple theme. It's actually, and I, I was luckily I was studying like a Latin music. The the, the the rhythm is a tango. Yeah, right. Because like bum 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 bum, it's a very simple melody. Um, yeah, and and when I first heard it, I'm like, for Batman, really? But yeah. then you pair it to the visuals, especially in the trailer, and it works. Um, I'll we'll probably cover more of that. It were closer to it because I, for one, am keen and excited for Matt Reeves' take on Batman and for Giacchino's Batman. Yeah, but I, yeah, I I just can't see big
0: composers like that doing trailer music, and they don't don't generally do it. And if he is doing it, he'd be passing that on to one of his assistants, probably. But there's people whose little job it is to do trailer music, um, which is you know an art form within itself
1: because it's a lot of information to convey and not that much time exactly and music really kind of fills that void yeah so now i think we can uh, the bulk of the episode if yeah you will. we
0: can we can move on to daniel craig's james bond films and we're going to rank them based based on score we could probably rank them based on movie as well But score and song predominantly. All right. So the the four films are uh, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, which is scored by David Arnold. Mm Mm-hmm. And then a man we've talked about in this episode, Thomas Newman, who did who Skyfall. scored Skyfall and Spectre.
1: Yes. Now
0: this is in the lead up to No Time to Die, which uh comes out next week here yep. November 11th. 11th, and yeah. that
1: one is scored by Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. <laughs> I could wow. hear I could hear
0: the <laughs> pain in your voice. <laughs> I just can't wait for a really bland uh Bond theme, but at the same time, uh I think Thomas Newman has a little bit of a blandness in him as well, <laughs> but we'll we'll get to that. So, first of all, um, David Arnold. So I, I was actually quite interested by his story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not exactly. I, I I know that he is. Um, he went on to score things like Sherlock um, and Stargate. Yep. Um, so, But I'm not sure where exactly he got his beginnings, but I, what I do know and I find it really interesting is that John Barry, who is the kind of classic uh, James Bond and composer. And he did
1: like 10, 12 yeah, James Bond. Yeah, he created the James yeah. Bond
0: sound, the James Bond harmony, the James Bond melody, yep. you know, like he did all of it. He, so David Arnold grew up really loving John Barry, so he made a tribute album called uh, Shaken and Stirred, With a bunch of musicians and kind of covered a bunch of stuff that John Arnold, uh, John John Barry Barry had done. John Arnold, um, it's all coalescing, yeah, and a lot of the James Bond um songs and stuff like that with his orchestrations and and kind of put his own spin on it. Um, John Barry really loved it, um, and that's how he got the job for Tomorrow Never Dies, Tomorrow Never Dies, which I think
1: that's his first one because I know that. The, he We've, Did
0: tomorrow never dies? The world is not enough, and die another day. Yep. And then he went on to do Quantum of Solace, which is no, kind he did of the,
1: the casino the, first
0: casino, did <laughs> yeah, Casino Royale, <laughs> which is kind of the soft reboot of the series. Yep. Of them trying to get away from the silliness of uh, uh, another die another day. another day.
1: Um, I mean, look for all of those of you out there who like die another day. More power to you. Um, <laughs> more power to you. That one person. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. It's. It's it's
0: interesting, <gasps> yeah. But so, I think the score gets a makeover as well because John Arnold, John, D- David Arnold, David Arnold. <laughs> oh my god, David Arnold. Um, kind of came into this series with with more of an electronic flair. He did. He took more of a rhythmical approach with with, with drum the- machines and and everything like that. Well, which, such were the
1: nineties. Um, yeah.
0: Which I think yeah. in Tomorrow Never Dies, which I've seen bits and pieces of, <laughs> don't kill me, James Bond fans, <laughs> But uh, and I've heard the score, I think works better than it does in the later films. When Die Another Day gets a little bit sillier, I think, and I have seen Die Another Day, um, I don't think the score necessarily, I think it kind of plays along with it too much. Like it goes along
1: with the silliness a little bit too much. I think I suspected that when he was watching the final cut, when oh, he's screaming he's just like, "Wow, this is we're going that direction." I guess yeah. I'll just have to.
0: I'm gonna have to match it. <laughs> I'm gonna match it. But yeah, so Casino Royale is is kind of the hard hard punching reboot. Of it is the, series.
1: the I guess if there was an analogy to it, it is the Batman Begins. Of... I mean, literally, because that was their whole. Well, I mean, because I think they were in production while Batman Begins, because like Batman Begins comes out in 2005. Casino Royale 2006. Yeah. I suspect that they were in production. And they were already... Because they're adapting it literally from the book. Yeah. The first book, Casino Royale. And um, in that book, it is Bob Bond becoming who he is. Yeah, I guess. The origin story, if you will. I guess I just assumed if Skyfall, which (laughs) is exactly the Dark Knight... Skyfall, without a doubt, is... Even Sam Mendes has said as much as himself. Yeah. It is basically the Dark Knight. I just
0: assumed maybe it was the same for the other one, but... (laughs) Uh so yeah, the score gets a kind of reboot as well he He goes more to an electronic uh electronic more an orchestral, orchestral score more classic uh, more of. the
1: classical big band orchestration Yeah, he goes back used. to like real drums yeah. and, but
0: he stays away from the bond theme because he doesn't yeah. he knows you know who he
1: is he and i mean that's the song that's the song the songs um but done by the late Chris Cornell, you know my name yeah um Michael literally just listened to it. Yeah, I, before I, I, this I couldn't remember it it's been I, I i've seen these quite recently but it
0: was it was i think Casino Royale was a year ago for me so yeah. it has been a little bit of a while but um and then he moved on with with
1: uh Quantum of Solace yeah. which i
0: think like the movie is sort of a coda
1: it is. to well, Casino I think, Royale Yeah, just for you know general knowledge fans and behind the scenes the writer strike mm. was happening and it, Daniel Craig actually had to write some scenes with Mark Forster and stuff, and yeah. they did it on the morning. They did it on the morning of scenes and stuff, and all they could do was build up the the events of Casino Royale because they didn't have an, any original story, or anything to base it off of. And yeah. you know, you see it from the moment uh, Quantum of Solace starts; it's minutes after the ending of uh, Casino Royale. Yeah, and the score pretty much is the same in its instrumentation. From Casino Royale, it cleverly uses Vesper's theme really well. And I really like that. Mm. Because Vesper's theme... Vesper Lind is essentially the raison d'etre for why Bond is Bond, right? Because Bond becomes this cold, hard killer because he essentially has a broken heart. That's the spoiler at the end of the day. Poor guy. Yeah, poor guy. Like, you know, um, (laughs) he falls in love, she betrays him, and then she dies. But that happens in pretty much every movie. Yeah, but this is, I guess... This is the big one. This is the big one. As... (laughs) as a as, as Crystal Waltz's inspector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which we'll get to. Yeah. Um but Vesper's theme that's introduced on a lovely kind of piano motif within Casino Royale is used brilliantly in moments in uh, Quantum of Solace. And you know, Quantum of Solace gets a bad rap. It's a fast-moving Bond movie. It's a it's the most violent Bond movie. Oh yeah. It's really angry. It's angry. Like Bond is. There's no charm to Bond because he's at the time. I was like, "What? What is this?" But after having rewatched it, especially as like viewing it as a coda to Casino Royale, I really like it because it's you can see the the heart in Bond's eyes. Well, Daniel Craig is fantastic, James Bond. Yeah, I think he's (laughs) more Bond than Bond in this movie. Though, (laughs) to be fair, yes, he there, there is. I think Jason Bourne as a film franchise is definitely. Eked its way into James Bond. But with James Bond in Quantum, you can kind of feel this pain of he's still kind of reeling from this heartbreak. Like he's clearly not over it. And I don't think he ever really gets over it, even in Skyfall and Inspector. But in Quantum, yeah. you can kind of still see that raw, aching heart. And I really like that. Well, I think in No Time to Die, Vesper comes back, doesn't she? But Vesper's dead.
0: Uh, but heard, I feel like I've seen something about Vespa coming back. <laughs> you just spoiled it for me. I'm a loose lose my... <laughs> I don't know, man. I didn't see spoilers. I just, you know, it's based on like the trailer and synopsis. And what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not. I don't what have, know. What have you done? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, and David Arnold retains a lot of cool orchestrations. Cool. I say cool because I really just don't have any other words to articulate it. But he's done some great motivic composing.
0: I think he, as along with John Barry, has cemented himself as the quintessential John, James Bond. Um, I think
1: next to John Barry, he's scored the most Bond films. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know,
0: I think that's probably where the next films, in my mind, falter yeah. a little bit in the music because Thomas Newman, who was a really interesting choice at the
1: time, I, I think, think so because, and well, I mean, even at the time, Sam Mendes, you have to understand, was an interesting choice to mm. direct. James Bond. He hadn't done any action films. His probably his biggest action film up until Skyfall was probably Road to Perdition, maybe Jarhead, but I don't know. Mm. Um, and if if you haven't seen Road to Perdition, that's great. It's a fantastic looking film about kind of the generations of crime and stuff, and that's a great Thomas Newman score.
0: Yeah, but yeah, so. I, I just think Skyfall and Spectre, and I kind of lump them together because I think the only things for me that really set them apart are the songs. Um, I think for me it's the songs and the
1: look, because two different. Yeah, the, the TVs, look. Yeah, yeah. I know. think
0: I'm, I'm talking more about the music. Like, yeah. I think Tommy Mu- uh, Thomas Newman is Tommy re- Newman. Tommy Newman. <laughs> <laughs> He's my buddy Tommy, but um, I think he he made a really adequate score. <laughs> <laughs> <And that's, laughs> that sounds, that's sounds a, really that's That's Michael's
1: but polite way of saying I did not like it. <laughs>
0: no, I think I, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just I don't remember it at all. I had to listen to it again like like a couple w- of days ago. There's one I cue. I There's
1: one cue I remember in Skyfall is when M is reciting the poem of Tennyson, and mm. Bond is running to try and stop Silva from shooting up this inquiry. And that's the only cue from Skyfall that kind of really stuck out in my head.
0: Yeah, I think there's this really good one um, he does. Um, and it's M's theme, I think, where it's it's the it's solemn like a, horns. It's a descending
1: kind of line, kind of with the horns. Yeah, I think, yeah. But um, that's
0: probably the most memorable part for me because he kind of makes this stately, um, mournful
1: yeah. theme for um M yeah. dying in Skyfall. I think it's introduced when she's actually overlooking the coffins of the dead MI6 agents after the MI6 blows up. Yeah. I think it's played in her death, and it is. It does make an appearance in Scott and Spectre when she shows up on TV. Yeah. Um. And I mean, look, it was all Skyfall. I think it was either the first or the second Bond film nominated for best original score at the Oscars. Mm, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Um. I suspect there wasn't a lot of good, <laughs> um, yeah, films that year to be nominated think, for it. I think. Well, put it this way: I think Skyfall's better than Spectre. I mean, that's because there's a
0: movie and I mean in every sense score. of every kind of quality every, except one the, but we'll get back to that oh. <laughs> but yeah so he, although i think he did a good job i just don't i don't think he captured that
1: oh no, he didn't James capture bond, bond. sound it, he i think maybe this might be to his detriment both those scores are very thomas newman scores in terms of he has this weird kind of flute zither kind of thing that he loves to do and stuff But it does not sound like Bond.
0: Yeah, which it's interesting because I I generally am like, yeah, give me new stuff. Don't give me the same old boring stuff. When it comes to Bond. (laughs) Yeah, but there's ways you can do Bond, Bond harmony without, um, you know, um, like sounding like every other composer that's come before you. And we might as well just bring it up now um, because... um, I think my favorite example of that is the song that didn't get used for Spectre, Spectre. Done by Radiohead. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is a really great example of sounding like Bond, but sounding it also sounds everything like Radiohead. Like
1: Radiohead. Yep. Yeah. It's got their um playfulness with uh, rhythmic meter. You can mm. never really kind of get their kind of a nice beat to it because they love their triplets, they love their polyrhythms and all that. But they're playing with ostensibly Bond chords. Yeah, which makes yep. me think that
0: because Johnny Greenwood does all of their string yeah. arrangements, would Johnny Greenwood do a
1: good I reckon Bond he would m- score? I reckon he could. Well, he does a lot. He does string arrangements, um, and I've listened and I watched um, one of his films that he did score. There will be blood. Yeah, and, and he, that's awesome. Phantom that's, Thread is yeah, an amazing beautiful. score as well. But those films, to my knowledge, I know There Will Be Blood. I'm not sure about Phantom Thread, but they are like slow, languid kind of films. Yeah,
0: they are, but I think you can see with Radiohead, that not can. only just in that song, but in other things that he does. He definitely likes that kind of meandering type sound, but I just, I don't know, I just listened to that song, and I go, I think he could... He could
1: have done do it. He would have, it would have been a more interesting choice. I think it would have been a more risky choice. I think it would have paid off.
0: Oh, I th- Put it this way, I'm more interested in his James Bond <laughs> score than I am for Hans Zimmer. <laughs> I know what Hans Zimmer is going to do. I know, he's going to bust out the guitar. Um, yeah, and essentially he's going to do the James Bond sound. I don't put that past him, no. but it's just going to be then <laughs> but I see oh, look. My...
1: <laughs> oh, I've listened to a couple of tracks from No Time to Die. I know I'm listening to it without watching the film because you know what? I needed this. This is my fix. This is how I get my fix. He's uh, really missing the movies. I'm missing the movies. <laughs> And I got my second vaccination later. You're almost there. Almost there. Um, but that's beside the point. Um the tracks I've listened to are Final Ascent, um, It's good to have you back. I think it's good to have you back, and Matera. Um Final Ascent, I like I really like Final Ascent, but it's the classic Hans looping four chords, but having the different kind of instrumentations kind of just wolf around. I really like that. Mainly because it speaks to my sensibilities because it gets very emotional. It's also possibly a bit lazy and I kind of dig that a little bit because I'm just like, if it works, it works. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> that that's my kind of style. Um, with Matera and uh, good to have you back. What he did, um, which I'm not sure whether any of the new films have done it, but if actually he's literally harkened back to the older films in terms mm-hmm. of motifs. He's taken motifs from arguably the most interesting kind of bond from the take motifs from, which is on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Now, for those of you who don't know, Everyone knows the Bonds, like it's in Uh, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig. There was one Bond movie, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, played by an Aussie, George Lazenby, And a period of time where it was unsure whether Sean Connery would do it. Now, in the film, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it's, it's a perfectly fine Bond movie. I think it inspired a lot of directors like Christopher Nolan and stuff like that. But the important thing that happens to Bond is that he gets married. (laughs) And then she dies at the end. Of course. Of course. Um, So it's quite interesting that Hans has decided to kind of take themes and melodies from that film where it seems to be the only other big emotional impact that happened to Bond besides Casino Royale and putting it in what is Daniel Craig's final one. And for those of you guys that don't know, these five films are the first within the Bond films to kind of be connected more or less like it's a continuous yeah. story most bond films have just standalone kind of quality to them like that's why you can kind of go in and just watch whatever you want but with Daniel Craig you have to be like if they're talking about Vesper Inspector, which they do and you haven't seen Casino Royale or Quantum of Solace you're just gonna be like ah who's Vesper you know? yeah exactly um but yeah so
0: Anyway, let's get away from yep. let's get away from No Time to Die. We All can right. talk
1: about that when we actually see it, which I mean, we, I'm hoping we soon. You know what we can do. We can probably rank that for our songs, because No Time to Die the Song has been out longer than the actual movie. Yes, it has.
0: And that might just ruin everything. I think we might need to come <laughs> back to that when I've seen the movie. Because I think it's also important in context of the, the movie, even though it so. might Yeah. So anyway, the point of this mainly was to rank That's right. Score and the song. And I guess the movie as well. Um, So I want you to go first. Want me to go first? Yeah. All right. Okay. So go score first. Or movie, score movie, whatever.
1: Uh, Look, I'll go score first. Um, Score, I'll probably put that my last is Spectre. Mm -hmm. Having said that, Spectre does have a really kind of nice romantic theme in it, which I do love, but that's beside the point. Uh, Then I'll go with Skyfall. Mm -hmm. And then. Quantum and then Casino. Okay, right. Yeah. So just in opposite order. It's in opposite order. I mean, I like Casino Royale the most because it actually does the smart thing of using the, the song as the main theme within the film. Yeah. And I really do love that. And then it also introduces Best Wish Theme. Quantum, just because of its length, doesn't have a lot of more real estate. But by using Best Wish Theme, it's pretty cool. And the other two, they're interchangeable. I think Skyfall does it just a bit better because yeah. it has that great Tennyson cue. But neither of them kind of go into the full James Bond kind of mode yeah but the other two casino and quantum definitely do i'll go i'll
0: go score um now to compare to you so so i would go specter last yeah as well which i think most people would in in movie as well (laughs) it's quite obviously the worst movie yeah um and then i'll go quantum oh solace i think we only differ in one which is I think Skyfall does just enough to make it better than Quantum. Mainly because I think I think of Quantum of Solus generally the same. I yeah. think a lot of the new stuff that that David Arnold had done in Casino Royale that I really loved He's He kind of just it over. he yeah, but he, he did it really well yeah. in Casino Royale, but it was like okay, well this is the same thing. There's no need to Whereas yep. I th- I admire the bold choice of Thomas Newman. Thomas Newman. And yeah, now even thinking about M's theme, I think it's a really good addition to the
1: series. It is. It definitely provides diminishing returns Inspector. Spectre. But I think I I I'd allow that. I'd allow that.
0: Yeah, so Skyfall's my number two, all I right. think. And then Casino yeah. Royale's number one. Um, especially even all that rhythmical stuff, all the parkour stuff. Yes. All of that chase sequence, like David Arnold, Arnold does such a good job of action music that Still it's good. It's really good, and he manages to infuse the Bondisms
1: in yeah, the exactly. action music, because which just, is, I think, something that Newman doesn't. No, do. Newman seems seems to, good, you know, stray away from the big brass. Yeah, that David just kind of like he absorbs, especially within that parkour scene in casino, casino Royale. You've got the trumpets blaring, you've got the horns, and it's just kind of screaming the main kind of. Yeah. The You Know My Name theme. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: and Casino Royale, yeah, I think we need more composers willing to infuse the songs yeah. into the I, I concur. Into the music, which even though I, I think You K- Know My Name isn't my favorite song of the series, but
1: that I guess that's a good transition to go to the ranking of the songs. Yeah. Well, I'll go first on this. Oh uh, yeah, I think you should. <laughs> um so I think Hmm, let me think. See, I don't even remember the Quantum Solace song. No have. one does. It's just like da, 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 Who did it? It's Alicia Keys and Jack White.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, no, I do know. I do know it. Uh, I'm so prepared for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so that goes last. Yeah. Quantum <laughs> Solace goes last because even though I remember it now, it's still not great.
1: It had to. It literally. He had to have a trigger just to remember it.
0: Now, I think now Sam Smith. For Sky, uh, for Spectre, Spectre. goes. R- riding on the wall. Riding on the wall. I think it's an interesting song and I think it has some of the best orchestration yes. of any Bond song. But I just remember sitting in that theater, watching it, watching the intro, which the Bond intros are always kind of weird. But especially when the, the, the chorus comes and it goes soft and like it's just Daniel Craig being all sensual, I was like, what the f-? You mean with the, the tentacles coming? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a really strange choice And I think it's it's a really well orchestrated song I just don't think it's a Bond song mm. And I think the, the orchestration is the only thing that makes it sound makes like it a, sound like Bond. Which is not Sam Smith That's the, I can't remember what the orchestrator's name is But he did a great job yeah. Um. So I think that orchestration alone in the intro And stuff like that of Sam Smith's song Would be enough to drive him a bit further If not for the <laughs> fact that I actually I think Adele did a really great job with Skyfall
1: is that was that after? Is that your ranking? Like after writing on the wall, is Skyfall? Skyfall. Wow. All right.
0: So I think it is tied with um, Chris Cornell's song. You know my name. You know my name. Um, mainly because I did have to listen to it before, but <laughs> I I I think, and maybe it's giving the song too much credit, but I do love the integration between the music and the song, which I think. Um, the score of the movie and the song, because I think more, more, um,
1: well, I think there is a point in in the film Skyfall where the song is also used. Yeah. Very sparingly. I think the most memorable part is when he's on the boat going into Macau, you, then you hear the chords of Skyfall other melody. And I thought like, okay, so like, like Casino Royale, there are, Casino Royale does it a lot more. Yeah. But there are moments in Skyfall where Thomas was like, all right, let's bring in, let's bring in Del Skyfall because, yeah, well, I'll get to my rankings, but Adele's Skyfall isn't one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, Zim, you might be thinking, wait, you just you just ranked Skyfall and You Know My
1: Name, Tied. I mean, for a I, I did think that, but then I remember it. math wasn't your strong suit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it's true, but it hurts. Um, there is another. There is another. <laughs> there is another. There's a cheeky because Star Wars reference. Yeah, I think it's the best Bond the best song. Bond song. And it might be because I'm a bit of a Radiohead fan. We just oh, well, talked We about just about gave it before, the game away, I guess. <laughs> but I think Radiohead Spectre Ooh. should have been the song. It should have. Absolutely should have been the it song. Have. I because think. Because no disrespect to the Sam Smith song. Maybe a, Spectre, little, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Spectre is just so much better. And they actually used the title in the song, yeah. <laughs> which is, what are you, do- what are you doing? But, man, it's, just, it's such a powerful song. It's so good. It really captures the tone of what the movie's even going for. Oh,
1: let's be frank. It captures what the movie should have been.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but the movie was going for a
1: darker tone. It the movie was going for a lot of things. Um, (laughs) Yeah. What it it achieved was boredom. So. Yeah, but
0: (laughs) so yeah, it's Spectre for me. It's it's. I know that's kind of cheating because it's not in a movie, but. I, I I listen to that song regularly. I think it's a good I, song. I on its I own. do
1: too. There's a great um, video by this YouTuber called Listening In who covers Bond. So mm-hmm. who in this video covered Bond songs, and then the video title is called "How Radiohead Made the Greatest Bond Song Ever." Yeah, and it actually goes through the 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 you know the the orchestration, the rhythmic kind of meter, and how its polyrhythm of of the song Spectre and I highly recommend that for any Radiohead fans and for any Bond fans as well yeah I think that'd be pretty sick to yeah. watch so that's mine that's mine alright well I guess I'll go first um, now that I have to include five you're going
0: second but... uh, oh yeah but math isn't your strong suit so... yeah
1: well I mean I guess I just lost my Asian card <laughs> I guess <laughs> <laughs> you're, it's okay you're white you can get away with it <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna get cancelled yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll fix this (laughs) we'll fix this in post no we won't all right um okay well last on the list is um another way to die because i it was just the quantum solace duet with jack white is jack white jack white yeah i was thinking jack wall but jack wall is a game composer jack white (laughs) and alicia keys um i don't know what's going on with that one um uh, they have a nice riff, like a guitar riff, where it goes, ba da ba 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 And then you got the trumpet stabs bum But then they're just singing about some random stuff. There's like a phone on the table, a man on the side, someone you think you can trust. is just another way to die. These are the legitimate you lyrics. You know the lyrics. Though. I know the lyrics. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, what are you guys singing about? I don't understand. Yeah. Um... And like Michael, after that is writing on the wall. I actually probably um I do like writing on the wall a bit more than most people. I like some of the lyrics, um the chorus like you know, uh for you I'd have to face it all right. Um, And another writings on the wall. I like the rhythmic kind of style and also the rhyme, but it does feel like it's more of a Sam Smith song than it is a James Bond song. Yeah, I mean that's no, that's not a. Uncommon thing within the history of Bond. If you just look back, there are a lot of times where it's the singer that's kind of taken over. Um, one can only even look to Madonna for Die Another Day, and it's like, that's a Madonna song. <laughs> that's not a James Bond song, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, again, the orchestration really saves it. Mm. Um, you know, you got me thinking because you tied Skyfall and um, You Know My Name. But you know what? I'll put. Well, you, you... better be just different to me. <laughs> I I, I'll be doing. I'll put. You know my name as third. Woo! Yeah. Um. Because I actually really like you know my name a lot. That's the first kind of Bond film that I was kind of cognizant of when I saw it in the cinema, and I'd seen like a lot of previous Bond films with my dad, and the you know they kind of follow the kind of ballad style of the '60s or whatever it was working in the '70s and '80s kind of stuff, and you got this kind of punk rock edge. Mm which is different, but it still has that big brass kind of sound to it. I think David Arnold and the late Chris Cornell did a tremendous kind of job. And I really liked it. And I just liked the lyrics as well, because he's just like, it's literally about, like, you know my name, but he's not yet James Bond. He's just beginning to be. Yeah. Um, okay. I think... Ooh, what's I, I, he going to do? I, yeah, what, what am I going to do? I will probably tie Spectre's radio, oh. Radiohead Spectre with... And this is going to be the curveball... With Billy Eilish's "No Time to Die," I'm hey, including it. Wait, I'm, we told, we I'm Said we're not going to include it. Well, you know what? I have altered the deal. <laughs> pray I don't. Wait, where's Skyfall in this? Skyfall's number one for me. What? I really like Skyfall. Um, you I don't, just added a whole song. I just did because uh, you know what? Thank you. <laughs> it's it's my podcast too, I can do what I want. Um, I actually like Michael's pretty much covered all of the reasons why Radiohead Spectre is a fantastic song and should have been included um and it's a shame that it wasn't apparently the reason was it was too dark which is just silly <laughs> Blow hards yeah, yeah blow, for blowfeld but <laughs> <laughs> but I um, uh, especially just love the way that also uh, Tom York sings his vocals It's kind of it effortlet- effortlessly oh my god Eff- effortlessly <laughs> glides over the strings and yeah. the piano and I really love that kind of piano kind of beat to it because if you look at the score sheet it's like in a three four signature but it has that it has that triplet feel to kind of get that kind of weird like it's that radiohead feeling i can't mm. explain it but
0: just I, listen to pyramid song yeah. it's the
1: same rhythm as pyramid Is song <laughs> almost um music nerds will come after me for yeah. that um and yes i have included no time to die i only included it because it literally came out a year ago
0: yeah that's true I, i've only listened to it a handful of times
1: i really like it look and when it was first announced that Billie Eilish was doing No Time to Die, or the next Bond song, and I was just like, her? Really? No, I was I was really excited. And I, I, I think I really like it, too. I think it'd be pretty high on my list. Yeah, I I'm, I had that expression that, you know, in the rest of development, whenever Jason Raymond's character is talking to Michael Cera about his girlfriend, it's like, her? Really? You know? <laughs> and? Who? But... You know, because her biggest song at the point was I think was it "Bad Guy," yeah, probably. And like it's a good song, but it is quite melodically not very interesting. Like, but which is fair enough. You know, if you like what you like, and I just like more melodic stuff. But then she sings "No Time to Die," and it's amazing. She has range. It's a really great song. I love the lyrics. The lyrics kind of speak to me in a way, um, and it's just it's got that classic Bond feel as well. Um, it is orchestrated by our oh, my boy Hans Zimmer.
0: Yeah, I think. Um... <laughs> As well... Oh, what's her brother's name?
1: Oh, um, uh, Phineas. Yeah, Phineas. I yeah. think he had a big hand in it He had a big hand well. in it. They both, like... I think it was an absolutely fantastic song, so... Yeah. Um, but for me, Skyfall is, out of all of them, it just feels the most quintessential Bond Yeah, to me. it If you put, like, the Bond songs from each era, at least you pick, like, Goldfinger, or, like, Diamonds Are Forever, and that's kind of, like, the quintessential Bond, Skyfall is on that list. Yeah, for It's sure. got that great kind of orchestration, the Bond chord, which is this major chord with like a sharp seven and like a major nine or minor nine, or whatever. That's the Bond chord. It, it opens the this track of Skyfall. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like you instantly know, like, all right, this is a Bond song and Adele just crushes it. Yeah, um, she, yeah she does. So that's my ranking. And in terms of film rankings, um, look, I think we both in agreement that Spectre's at the bottom. Yep. Um, quantum, by default, but not. But like, there's a big gulf between Spectre and Quantum for me, yeah. at least. And Skyfall, think Casino Royale. Like, I always flip flop on the two because, like, mm. Casino Royale is a really emotional, really powerful Bond movie that's really gritty. Skyfall, I think, knows that it's somewhat of a dumb film, like in a sense that like, 'cause because it literally rips off The Dark Knight, and and yet it also kind of asks a lot of questions about what is Bond in... Especially because it's the 50th anniversary of Bond film. So it asks a lot of questions about what does Bond mean in a world where there's no more like finding the Russians or finding that. And it's also just the most gorgeous looking Bond film. Yeah, for ever. sure. I think Casino
0: Royale, though, I think what sells it for me is is the fact that there's an entire half an hour dedicated to them playing cards. That's true. And it's and not it's boring. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's it's great, and they they between that and Her Majesty's Secret Service, so those are the only two
1: movies that actually let Bond breathe. Yeah, and like they actually let, let Bond be more of a character than just like the archetypal kind of caricature.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, I
1: think Skyfall's more interested in the idea of Bond.
0: Well, it, it's much more interested in the Bondisms. Yes,
1: and kind of deconstructing them.
0: Yeah, exactly. All that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, I think that. Uh, I think that
1: covers it. Covers it. We did it. We solved the issue of. Daniel Craig's Bond. Bond, yes, musically at least. Yeah. Um, but no amount of talking can really solve Spectre. <laughs> yeah. If, if if you guys haven't really gotten that through, I, just, I I don't I don't like it. I don't I don't. I, like I think it. we get it. You don't like it. I don't, I don't
0: like it either. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're on to our last little segment, which I'm calling No Tomo mentions. Ooh, notable mentions. Basically, just uh, what you've been been doing? What you've been been watching recently that's got an interesting score or a not interesting score?
1: Well, I think like most peeps, or maybe not, if you don't watch movies or TV, in which case, okay. Um, (laughs) During October, we tend to kind of go towards most of the scariest stuff. Because in anticipation for Halloween, the, the holiday, well, it's not a holiday really, it's more like a... I don't even know what to call it. Not the film, although I think Michael's been on that binge. I just revealed the spoiler. <laughs> um, I've been on a Mike Flanagan kind of binge in Renaissance, mm. watching Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, I'm watching that too. Yeah, I got you onto that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, fantastic horror series. It's probably my favorite horror thing to date. Probably might change after I watch Midnight Mass, which is yeah. another Mike Flanagan kind which of... Which you need to watch. It's it's yeah. great. Um, and I think we were discussing this before. That, uh,
0: yeah, the one thing I I don't think the music's as memorable no, yeah. as it could be. But I don't. I also, having watched Hill House and Midnight Mass, I don't think it entirely relies on music. No, he it doesn't. Plays, I don't know whether it's just a personal choice or whether there's not much music that could go there. But they really want to lay in the silence. Yeah. And I think it's the creepiest thing about both of the shows. It is. It is. That they just really let you sit in the sound design. And the sound design is great. Yeah. The sound design is all really great. Um, but- I've got like a sub and like a sound Ooh. bar with like 3.1. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, Michael Garrett's
1: living large.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know, you can, I feel like even on a normal TV, you just be able to hear the little nuances and, and yep. the way they place the sounds everywhere. And, even the slightest little flinch makes you flinch, you know. So I agree. music in a lot of those things would probably undercut it, I think.
1: Yeah. Um no, I think you're definitely right. I think I think I'm a bit more forgiving about scars to a degree, and I like the Newton Brothers main theme for Hill House. I like the kind of it's a kind of almost a pseudo waltz kind of thing, but at the same time, it doesn't really do much. You are right. It's not that catchy. Mm. It's not that it's not played that often. Yeah. Um so, it's just
0: in the intro, yeah, and yeah. If it's if it's um, engaging at all, then I'll, I won't want to skip the intro. And yet I skip the intro every time. <laughs> One, the intro is a bit too long, and the music kind of does nothing. No, you gotta
1: it doesn't go anywhere. When you when you have an intro that's long, you gotta have either that Game of Thrones kind of music or that the Stranger Things. Yeah, well, you see, like, the
0: Game of Thrones music, it goes somewhere. It yes, develops. Whereas it their music for um, these shows... They don't. They don't really do anything. No, they, they just don't. kind of sit there. And I don't think they really capture the show that well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'll, to... I'll allow that. <laughs> You'll allow that. <laughs> I'll allow it. Well... Uh, what have you been I watching? I have been forcing my girlfriend into watching all of the Halloween movies. Well... Most of the Halloween movies, you because breathe. man, because the new the new uh, kind of rebooted movies, Halloween. ignore all of the ones after the original Halloween kills, Halloween kills. Um, so, because I wanted to go to the movies to watch it, I was like, "Well, let's watch the original 1978 John Carpenter, who does the music as well." What a lad! And then I actually watched um, the 2018 Halloween. Um, the one done, but done by, by David, David Gordon Green. David Gordon Green, yeah. Yep. I had, had gone all these years without realising that John Carpenter came back to for the music. with his son. Oh. Um, which I don't think it's as good as the original, but I think it gives it the same spirit. And um, re- I, I love the music of Halloween. I think it's great music. It's it's the most it, iconic. It's iconic. It's uh, the most horror. Hi-
1: iconic horror music of all time. It, I think it it loves the. I think when it comes to horror, scores chromaticism always plays a key kind of role in anything. I think that Halloween theme kind of really exemplifies that chromaticism. If you guys, I guess, um, don't know, which again, I just my the inkling of musical knowledge and terminology that I use. Um, you know how in a piano you have white keys and black keys and. Sometimes a white key has a black key like adjacent to it or next to it. In musical terms, they are a semitone apart. And for some reason or not, when those two notes are played after one another, it triggers something in us that just makes it sound weird. Sounds wrong. Well, it sounds yeah, it's just. What they call dissonance, yeah.
0: Um, And John Carpenter fucking loves it. Yeah. Both in the original and the new movies, he he really leans into it. He'll just have minor seconds, which are the most disgusting notes aside from tritones, but disgusting in a good way. I love them. Yeah. Well, um, minor
1: seconds are the foundation of the Jaws theme. It's essentially a minor second interval, and at that point in time, it was the scariest thing ever. Yeah. You know.
0: But see, I I think John Carpenter plays a really fine balance of making. A theme song that slaps.
1: Yeah. Fucking
0: it's awesome. And I sing it around the house all the time. And it's genuinely creepy. Do you do you sing that whenever you're chasing Rita, the cat? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. My cat Rita loves me when I do that. Um and then interesting happen an interesting thing happens in the new one. Yeah. Um, you know, not very big spoilers because Halloween is Halloween, but in the new one they do flashbacks to the 1978 film Ooh. and they kind of fill in some gaps that they maybe left probably on purpose <laughs> but they they fill in some flashbacks on how say Michael got captured because right. in the 2018 movie he's in the he's in the he's same in a mental asylum yeah right um, mental Institution, not a insane yeah. asylum. In the Come movie, on, Michael. More, in, in the movie, it's more of an insane asylum. There's very limited views on mentally ill people there. Um, but, um, yeah, so in Halloween Kills, they immediately... And I don't know if it was a really good recreation or it was a copy-paste, but they transfer to the 1978 score.
1: Oh, like in in terms of not just orchestration or just like... Like
0: orchestration, everything. It sounds like the same recording, but it it could also be a really good recreation um, because it was the same guy. Um, Might have been. He might have just busted out his old kind of piano that he did or whatever he used for. So he's like, record this now. Yeah, so he has a really good mix in these movies, in the new movies of really gnarly sounding synths and 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 stuff to really m- give you that modern horror experience of feeling that, that kind of thr- thrilling, intense kind of score, but give, still gives you those old themes that you know and love from the original that are also creepy as fuck as well. So the movie Halloween Kills kind of swaps between these modern horror score and then you go back to 1978, and it's 1978 again. In all retrospect, they recreated 1978 brilliantly in the film. It looks like film stock. Um, the way With the film it, green and everything? Yeah, they've, they've really nice. nailed it. And then the score transfers to the same score it was before, before. And it's just really clever. It's really smart. I mean, it's obvious when you think about it, but it's, I don't know, it's really effective. So... That's pretty much it for me. I've been that's pretty much all I've been watching, is horror stuff in October, <laughs> which I didn't realise until tonight, to be honest. But between Mike Flanagan and Halloween. That's pretty much it. Yeah,
1: that is <laughs> yeah. Um the only other detour I little did was Munich. Oh yeah. Um Spielberg. Oh, Spielberg, you know. Uh he cut is the is about the nineteen seventy two Olympics in Munich, and that was marred by uh, a terrorist attack on Israeli athletes, and the film kind of covers the retaliation by the Israeli government. Mm. Um, it says inspired by true events. Not entirely sure what what is true, what isn't. Um, just a fantastic film. I really liked it. Who did the score for that? John Johnny Williams. Oh yeah, he did too. Yeah. yeah, It's his most subtle and nuanced score I've ever heard from him. Yeah, yeah. Ever. And there are parts of it where it actually has this kind of percussive drone. Where I'm like, it sounds like Johan Johansson's work in Sicario. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's and, awesome. And I think it's it's like a progenitor to Sicario in the sense that the film as well because it delivers tension yeah, yeah so well I didn't know Spielberg could do tension that well I mean and then I remember, then you reminded me Jaws yeah <laughs> <was> Jaws like, <laughs> uh, S- Jurassic Jurassic Park kinda Park, like oh, it's pretty much all tension yeah I'm uh, <laughs> I'm getting too well for this clearly <laughs> um, well I think look that um I think the but comes, comes is it. it that was a good first sesh yeah good, good first podcast back. back. Towards at the end of 2021, um, let's hope that life doesn't derail us in the well, future. It shouldn't. It shouldn't unless uh, our our premier Dan decides to... Oh, don't go there. (laughs) No, I'm not calling him out. I'm just saying that... Uh, Please don't. We love you, Dan. We love you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, But yeah, so this is episode one of the new series, or episode
1: six of The Sound of It is a continuation. It is like Casino Royale, a reboot. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a punchy reboot. Very punchy. Um,
0: But I think... And we haven't discussed this before. This is very live. But I think we'll probably go back to weekly recordings or maybe bi-weekly. It'll be a surprise. He's
1: springing this on me right now. (laughs) Um.
0: But this this format, and I think um, just to divulge a little bit, this format is a lot easier to uh, research and... Um, and edit, just talk edit about. Afterwards. And
1: look, I know that we don't have the audio samples and stuff, and there's a good reason for that, as Michael alluded to. I'm not even alluded. He stayed in the first kind of minutes. We don't want to get sued. <laughs> yeah, um, they're,
0: they're really cr- cracking down on unlicensed music, and we also don't want to like. Um, you know use people's music without yeah. their permission anyway so because if, this is a small podcast we don't make any money we're not no, planning to we don't so we just, we just want to talk we just want to shoot the shit yeah exactly we talk a couple of lads couple of lads <laughs> yeah plus plus looking at those I mean just go listen to the Art of the Score yes yeah. if you want what we did before
1: but much better Art of the Score it's it's great, Zim. Yeah. You should
0: listen to it. It's I, really fucking I will listen
1: good. to. I look. I don't. I, I don't pay for Spotify on my phone. So, you know, I don't pay for Spotify account. So whenever I have to click it, it'll shuffle and it's not the episode that I want to listen to. You know, <laughs>
0: but so you know, there's a reason why they only release an episode every six months or something. And I'm sure it's also because they're very busy boys. But it's they, also because they actually do the work. They really go in depth. And we tried to go over that in depth, but it meant that it, it took up a lot of time. Yeah,
1: and we also did that like in the midst of life locked down last year yeah as well. exactly um we're both big boys with big jobs so yep i mean he a bigger job than mine but uh <laughs> we're big boys now yeah. but no this is um this is also the first time that i've actually uh re-recording again with michael in in person this in year same i didn't see him um yeah i think we only did maybe one or two we episodes did. in person yeah and then it was, lockdown. it was locked down it was locked down um I haven't seen him in months as well so this is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he
0: walked in we press record and that was it
1: <laughs> I haven't seen him before that or
0: afterwards I'm going to close my eyes as that's soon as I stop sorry. recording I don't want to see you anymore <laughs> get out of my house <laughs> but uh, yeah so thanks for joining us whoever is listening yeah um,
1: I think there is I mean that's got to be some I keep on getting um, things on Facebook that's like you get one new notification on the Sound of Scoring page and I'm like really? who's, <laughs> who's, who's doing this? but yes no um Whoever is listening and even if you are the one person we thank you. Um, tell your friends if they just want to hear some guys just talk some garbage boys <laughs> some boys some lads you know. Busy. Yeah. <laughs> busy boys. Uh, yeah so I hope you have a good week sim. Up uh, you too We have a good week. Oh I can't
0: English right now but uh <laughs> and yeah I guess we'll uh see you next year for the next one. All right, All right bye. Arrivederci. there